Love on the Pursuit is a podcast for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the race to success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. To start off with you guys, I want to say a couple of things. To my few dozen loyal listeners, thanks my dudes, y'all rock. I am learning a ton from this podcast, but I really, really wanted to try to do something that would help people in some way. So if you're getting something out of this, that is awesome. If you're not and you just download it to make fun of the dumb stuff that I say, well, I guess if you're entertained, then that's cool too. (laughs) Second, y'all, I'm feeling pretty low about the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. RBG was a personal hero because I absolutely love how freaking brilliant she was as a leader. I didn't agree with everything she ever did but she was a master strategist when it came to furthering rights for everyone. She chose landmark cases that she could win, which is so amazing. She was just as likely to fight for survivor benefits for a widower as she was a woman's right to choose because she truly believed in equity, equality, and justice. And I don't wanna comment on the politics of this. I believe in the way that she fought. I'm a huge reader and I love her quotes about books because I truly believe that expanding your mind can lay the foundation for your dreams. I really do. But my favorite quote is when she was asked when she would be satisfied with the number of female Supreme Court justices. And she responded, when there are nine. I, I love this. So here's the thing. This isn't saying that women or any other visual, cultural, or social minority want to take over. That's not what this is about. This is saying that the mindset of when will efforts to pursue equality be enough is flawed. There's no magic number. We don't stop pursuing equality when 50% of university professors are females. We don't stop pursuing equality when 13% of CEOs are black. We don't stop pursuing equality when the magic number of LGBTQ plus people are in the Senate. We stop pursuing equality when we're equal. And I just, I think that she did a beautiful job of helping us to try to do that. So thanks for letting me take a moment. Um, Last week we talked about recovering from setbacks and 2020 has been full of them. So in our lives, we have experiences that can have a huge impact, but there are so many times that the impact could be muted or even turned into an opportunity if we approach the experience in the right way. And even the worst mistakes can help us grow and become more resilient and empathetic leaders in the long run. Did you take some time to go over a setback? If not, do it today. There's always something to learn from the experiences that stay with us. If you did, great job. You're going to be stronger for it, really. Today we're going to talk about power differentials. In every relationship, there can be an element of struggle about who's really in charge whether it's legitimate power like a boss or an authority figure, or informal power among hierarchical equals, our personalities, goals, and the circumstances on any given day can really complicate how we interact with others. When you have the power, that can be inconvenient and inefficient. When you don't, it can threaten your position in the organization. Today we're going to talk about how to recognize when these things are happening and then go over some techniques to help keep you on the right side no matter who's in charge. This week, take some time to think about what power means to you. 
where you use it, and where you'd like to have it in your life. If you like to journal, this is a good prompt, and if not, maybe it's time to start. What is power? In the context of the workplace, it's really the result of competition for control over a situation. Power really comes in two main flavors. You have legitimate or positional power, which is just being able to tell people what to do because of your job title. And then you have informal power, which is based on the role and personality dynamics within the group, but still has consequences, but it's just not through a set structure. So how is this different from influence? Influence is being able to get people to do things without exerting any force. It's by inspiring them to do what you want. So to put it all together, my boss has formal power. If I do something wrong, she has the power to discipline me or impact my career. Informal power would be more like what my friend Kandra Will did in the eighth grade. Though she had no actual authority, she would decide each week which of our friends was okay and which ones we should not talk to. Her power was so strong, most of the group went, around, went along with it because they didn't want to be on the bad list. Now, y'all might have guessed this wasn't really my style, so when it was my week to be ignored, I just ignored them right back and I never hung out with them again. <laughs> because the thing is with informal power is that when I decided that the penalties didn't bother me, she ceased to have power over me. Although that's sort of true for formal power as well, obviously your boss can't do anything to you once you've been fired, <laughs> formal power isn't relative to the situation. Finally, influence is like when you listen to the same music or maybe get the same haircut as a friend. There's no penalty for not doing it, but when you do it, it makes you feel more part of the group and increases your connection. So why does this matter? As human beings, we're always trying to find our place in a group. The power structure is one way that we figure out what our role should be and we prioritize our energy and the connections we make. At work, this is part of the relationships with the people above and the people you supervise, but there's also an informal dynamic in your relationships with your peers and colleagues. You may find a lot of the time your job or a project kind of dictates who does what, but there are always going to be times that you have to figure that out for yourself or that you want to poise yourself in a particular way within the group to reflect an image or a set of capabilities to the people around you. Power can be a really big deal for some people. Their roles in a team may be part of their identity, so you have to be tracking what motivates people and be aware of it when your ambitions come in conflict with someone else's. Power impacts our communication a lot. People have different levels of comfort interacting with people from other power echelons. The bigger the gap, the more difficult it is for most people, but when people are on the same level, usually they feel more comfortable being honest. How power is exercised is also reflected in a group's culture. It can be a big part of their effectiveness. If power is shared, that can really help a collegial environment. It can come into play with opportunities like managing a project or leading a team. When you have power or project power, you're more likely to be chosen as a leader in many cases. But when it turns into conflict, depending on each of your roles, it can cause divisions within your team. And even if the other people don't have to pick sides, it can be incredibly un uncomfortable for most people to be in the middle of someone else's fight. So how can it affect you? Well, for some people, it may not be a big deal at all. If people are super secure or if whatever's at stake is not important to them, even if someone comes at them really competitive, an actual struggle may never develop. It takes two people to have a struggle. So if you're not engaged, you know, someone can come after you, but it's really hard for something to go further than that. But once people are engaged, it can be a huge impact on your job and your well-being. 
Being involved in a power struggle can increase your stress. Tension in, an, in a close interpersonal relationship can really wear on you. It's emotionally draining. But added on to that, the struggle and the underlying tension can make some people act out or try to assert themselves in unproductive ways in an effort to control the narrative or the power in the office. And then if you struggle and win, it can get you opportunities for advancement and increased status within your group, but it can also make you enemies and make you a target if there are other people who want to be in this position. If you lose, besides the blow to your ego, it can also affect your job responsibilities, your credibility with your coworkers, and people's desire to collaborate with you because you could look weak or ineffective depending on how the struggle evolved. So from all of this, it sounds like you can't win. So what do you do? Well, to start off with, try to avoid getting into an actual struggle to begin with. Acknowledging a power differential is fine and necessary in many cases, but if you try to change it or enforce it through force or conflict, that's where it gets messy. So what does that mean? You have to read the situation. You have to stop it before it gets ugly and then redirect the energy into creating a positive interaction. Simple, right? (laughs) So how do we do that? Well, you have to start by knowing there's an issue before it becomes an issue. So what do you look for? You have to read the interactions with the people around you. Where are the alliances? Who gets along with whom? Who actively has problems with you? Who doesn't want to work with you? Who has trouble making eye contact? There are a lot of things about body language and how people behave that can tell you that. Now, if you have an office bestie, hopefully they will clue you in if you don't already know. I don't recommend you get knee deep in office gossip, but if someone's gunning for you, it's usually not a secret long, so it's worthwhile to keep an ear out for any chatter. You may not need to though. This person may engage with you directly. Is there someone who constantly challenges your opinion or second guesses your work? Is there someone who gets super defensive whenever you ask questions? Does someone talk over you in meetings or try to reclaim your ideas? Do you have someone that undermines your authority with other people or even takes credit for the work that you do? Is there someone who actually tries to exert power over you that they don't actually have, like telling you to do things or imposing deadlines that aren't within their authority? All of these are overt signs of someone feeling insecure and trying to exert power over you. Now, this can be frustrating because sometimes they may actually have power over you and they can do these things, but they do them in a way that makes you understand that there's some insecurity or some difficulty behind that. But whether they do or not, you can still approach it in the same way to create a good way forward. Now, there are bad ways to do it too, (laughs) in ways that aren't effective. Um, When I was in medical school, I remember my internal medicine rotation, there was a senior resident that was either completely insecure or a misogynist, or maybe both. I don't know which because he was only a jerk to me and the female resident on our team, uh, but I never saw him with another female. So I'm not sure if it was a girl thing or if it was just generally he wasn't a good person. But whenever I would ask questions, he would get super combative. Like I was questioning his competence. He would argue with me. He would come at me so hard on rounds and just be really difficult and try to humiliate me really. Now in medicine, when we learn, it's it can be a very rigorous exchange. And I'm a surgeon, so I know what that feels like. We use the Socratic method. It's very questioning. It can be very combative. But this dude was not that. This dude was hostile. (laughs) So I had to tell him, like, yo, I'm a medical student. I'm not arguing with you. I don't know the answer to the question I'm asking. I'm asking you because you already know the answer because you are a doctor and I'm a medical student. Now, 
at that time, I didn't have a ton of leadership skills, at least not as many as I do now. And I didn't handle it in the most effective way possible. I didn't feel like I could do much about it. He had the formal power. So I just made myself feel better with a little informal power. So I told you guys, I'm a pretty tall girl, and so I'm close to six feet in clogs. And this dude was about five, six on a good day. And he had a little bit of a Napoleonic thing. So I made a point to stand next to him on rounds. We're generally close together on rounds. It's a, it's a big group of people in a tight space. But because I was kind of in his space, that meant when he spoke to me, he had to actually crane his neck up to look at me to make eye contact. And he, and he really didn't like it. And that was entertaining to me. Now, that's totally silly and petty and immature. And I recognize that now. But at the time, I didn't have a good way of addressing this. And I didn't have the skills to put it into words. And so I did what I could to make him feel a little bit of what I was feeling. So that's not productive. Don't do that. But at the time, it did make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> so what's a better way to do that? Well, like in most situations, you have to c- control your emotions. Power dynamics can really get into our egos and our self-worth. Feeling disrespected, unappreciated, or having your position threatened can really push you to the edge of your self-control. So don't let someone push you in a way to behave that's not compatible with who you are. This includes your body language and all of the other aspects of communication that we've spoken about. You can see if someone bows up to you, they cross their arms, they give you other nonverbals that show aggression. But you have to be aware of your actions as well. Are you exacerbating the situation? Making someone stand while you're seated can be a total power move, and there are people that do this on purpose. But so can standing over someone to make them feel small or intimidated, which is basically what I did. Now, I'm not certain that I realized that's what I was doing at the time, but let's be honest, that's what it amounted to. (laughs) So be aware of the message you're sending and then control your feelings when you have to interact. When you're ready to engage, be direct and as immediate as you can. The longer situations sit, the more petty you appear for bringing them up, even if they're totally legit. So you wanna act as efficiently as you can from the actual incident. When you meet, think before you speak. If you're engaged in a power struggle, This means that both of you care enough about the outcome to try to have control. So you're invested. Both of you are ultimately on the same team, so try to act like it. And you'll both likely be involved in whatever situation comes out of this. So don't insult them. Don't exacerbate the situation by questioning their credentials or their qualifications. And don't be petty. Even if they've failed at this exact situation in the past, don't throw it in their face. Most of us want to improve when we fail, so let them bring it up as a learning point or don't mention it at all. But making someone defensive will not create goodwill. It'll just make things worse. Try to understand what they want and why they believe that they are more appropriate to be in charge. And then try to put yourself in their shoes and see what you think. If after hearing everything they have to say, you still completely disagree, again, think. Take a moment to process. If you can't be rational and logical in your argument, for one, the facts may not be on your side, but for two, you're proving that you can't be objective enough to be in charge. And along those lines, be a professional. You're trying to show that you have the experience, knowledge, and insight to have the power in this relationship. So start by setting the example. Watch your words, your tone, and your sidebar conversations to others in the office. Don't wage a covert campaign to undermine them. 
It's poor form, and it doesn't create the kind of supportive teamwork that you should be cultivating as an engaged and mature leader. If someone's taking credit for your work, there are a few ways to get around this. You can confront them directly or share the facts with the people around you, which may be the right thing to do in some circumstances. But you can also CC your boss or mutual colleagues on communication, allow them to see your edits, or even ask for feedback before you contribute your final product. If you can show others the stages of your work without having to actively claim it, they are more likely to stand up for you or at least discredit the person who's making those claims. So if it's still going on, what do you do? Well, you can give up the power. I know, <laughs> I know that's like, what? we were just talking about trying to get the power and I'm not saying give up completely, but you could, you may realize that that's actually what you want to do. There may be times that stepping back is the right thing so that you can regroup, find a better project, or a time that you're more likely to be able to move forward without conflict. Or maybe after thinking about it, you really aren't the best person for this job. That's okay. But say this isn't that time. What is your actual goal? If it's a position or project, can it be split? Is there a compromise? If it can, propose a way you can both win. If it can't, you have to decide, is this worth fighting for? Now, if it is, you have to find a way to give them something they want to keep them on board. If it's not, you can acquiesce in a way that gives you some manner of control. Maybe they take the lead, but you manage a particular line of effort or vice versa. It's also helpful to appeal to their ego. If this person is really good at something, tell them. Tell them how their talents can be integrated with yours to create the best outcome. Don't be insincere, but if this person is a legitimate competition for you, they probably have some pretty great qualities. So try to figure out how you can both leverage your talents to make the team work. If they do something like task you for work or dump projects on you, again, you can absolutely confront them directly. But you can also go to your boss for clarification. Like, hey boss, Craig asked me to head up this project B, but I was tracking you wanted me to complete project A. I just wanted to clarify that he cleared tasking me with this so I can stop doing the work for you and start doing that work, or just, or what did you want me to do? Because if it's outside his lane, you clear it up right there. Now, this can backfire though, because if the boss is down with whatever he had to say, be ready to change gears to do whatever your boss feels is the priority. But the thing is, you don't have to accept someone's edict just because they tell you. If they're not in charge, and if they don't have the authority to tell you, it is totally appropriate to challenge them. You just wanna do it in a way that doesn't cause problems if you're able. Now, if this is just in general with an uncomfortable dynamic, a great technique is to ask for help. Strange, right? Why would you ask someone who wants to beat you for help? But it works. People feel important and valued when you need their help. So if there's advice they can give or efforts they can put towards something you're working on, ask them. This technique is helpful in diffusing lots of relationships, including with big power gaps. If your boss feels threatened by you, ask them for advice. Now, if you bring them a scenario they're already involved in, it can look manipulative or like you're challenging them. So let them bring up those kinds of things to discuss them with you. But if you have a personnel issue or just a problem you're working on, ask if you can get their opinion, give them the situation, and then just listen. Even if they tell you stuff you already know, or if you've already made the decision, listen. This isn't a discussion. If you try to make it one, you risk challenging their stance and making the whole thing worse. 
listen until they're finished, and then thank them for their insight. Not only can you build your relationship with them and get insight into how they make decisions so you understand them better, but you also might get information that will add to your own perspective on the situation. Those are wins all around. So I recognize some of these may not work if the people you're dealing with are actually jerks. But if they're jerks and you act like a jerk, it's a draw and no one wins. If they're jerks and you're a fantastic team player, karma often intervenes, so just hang in there. One thing you can do in that case is use an intermediary. If you have a disinterested person to help, preferably not the boss, since usually the goal is to try to resolve this at your own level, it can really help people stay professional and try to use facts to convince someone. Along with that, you also have to be ready to be an intermediary in the office if someone else needs your help. Showing a willingness to look at the situation objectively, the ability to manage these conflicts, and the desire to maintain harmony and positive relationships across the team will not only be great leadership development for you, but it will create goodwill for if and when you have to deal with a conflict again in the future. Next, whether you win, lose, or draw, you have to try to collaborate with everyone on the team. You have to be a gracious winner or an understanding loser and contribute to the team either way. As we discussed in leadership and followership, good followers make the team so much more effective. If you're a crappy winner, you'll engender resentment in your followers, which will make your life so much harder. Be a good winner and lead with compassion, but also set boundaries so that everyone understands their roles and the consequences if they cross them. And then on the other side, be a good follower. If you can't follow, anyone watching from the outside will never consider putting you in a position to lead. As you move forward, make sure you establish clear goals and roles for every person on the team. If there's confusion, you'll just keep returning to that same struggle. If you can establish common ground, it really helps to keep those petty struggles down. And if you're a follower and the leader doesn't do this, this is your chance to lead from within. Creating a positive team dynamic can be done by anyone who cares enough to try. So focus on your long-term goals of leadership and success, and then use this as an opportunity to grow. Now, there are some pitfalls that you can avoid as you deal with these type of struggles. One is allowing yourself to be manipulated, and this can happen in a couple of ways. One is letting someone else drive your behavior with their actions so that you do things that are not in your nature to try to position yourself better. If you behave in a way that you're not proud of, or do things that go against your company policy or your own personal code, you lose even if you win. So don't let someone else's behavior make you behave in a bad way just because you're trying to go after power. That's, you're not gonna be proud of yourself if, even if you win. Another way you can be manipulated is if you lose a power battle and you, in acquiescing, you allow yourself to be forced to do things that are not in your job or not in your lane. Now you should absolutely be a team player and help out. And if the person that you've lost a power battle to actually has authority to tell you what to do, then you should do what you're supposed to do. There's no question of that. But don't let someone take advantage of you. Letting someone have one over on you can make you appear naive, less intelligent. Uh, it can make you appear weak. And those things can all affect both your, your mental well-being and also your relationships at work. So even if you lose, don't let yourself be taken advantage of. Another pitfall is focusing on your boss to the exclusion of your colleagues. Clearly, your boss's opinion matters, especially if they have control over your advancement, the projects you do, they have the capacity to fire you. 
But if you ignore issues with others because your boss is the only opinion that matters to you, this can backfire in a big way. For one, if you don't resolve the issue, it can keep coming back. And even if you're right and the boss is on your side, you can still look ineffective and like a poor team player that you can't resolve it. Two, having a good working relationship with your coworkers is important. In most jobs, you'll see them and interact with them way more than your boss. So the friction can build so much faster, even if the boss thinks you're great. The flip side of that is that when you rise in a company, a network of solid relationships can really help you to guide culture and make effective changes. So don't miss an opportunity to create that connection. And finally, bosses can promote, quit, or get fired just like anyone else. If the boss is the only one on your side, a personnel change may mean your days are numbered too. Another pitfall is writing checks that you can't cash. If you don't actually have the power or the right to do whatever it is you try to do, you really need to tread lightly when you go head to head with someone else, especially if they actually do have the power. If you try to exert yourself and they call you on it, it can make you look so much worse than if you had done nothing at all. And depending on how you go about doing it, It can get you in trouble if you overstep and wander into your boss's or someone else's lane. Also, if someone actually has the power over you, issuing an ultimatum or trying to go toe-to-toe can lead you to getting demoted, fired, or otherwise see negative impacts with your career. So be smart. And the final pitfall is burning bridges. If you're both in the organization, whether you come out on top or you end up supporting your opponent, don't say or do anything that can't be overcome. Insults, lies, backstabbing, trying to create alliances, all of those things can seriously undermine the team and put you in a position that you potentially can't come back from. And if they do allow you to work back, it can be so humbling and disheartening to have your failure incredibly public. So keep in mind that you wanna keep working in this organization and assume that everyone involved here is going to as well. And like I've said, in general, be kind. However bad you may think someone is, You don't know what burden they're carrying, so why add to it? Be your own amazing, smart, ambitious self and keep your head up. You don't need to break anyone down to be successful. And if anyone tries to get you down, remember, you're a badass and keep moving forward. So power differentials are just another way of communicating from different viewpoints in an organization. But there are a few things to remember to keep yourself out of trouble. So be smart, think before you speak, and keep your long-term goals in mind, whether you're working your way up or loving life on top. This week, take some time to think about what power means to you. What kind of power do you aspire to? And how will that look in your life? Do you wanna be in charge of a lot of people or just have your own business so that no one's in charge of you? Are you happy to be right in the middle and go home to your family at five every day? Or do you wanna crush out long days to make the big bucks? As we get older, have families, or advance in our careers, how we look at this can change a fair amount. I'll tell you, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, know, I know I like to help people reach their potential, but I'm not sure what that's going to look like in my future because my family is awesome. And however much my job means to me, having time to be there for them is a huge priority. So for you, the type of power you want will be informed by your view of success. So sit down and think, about it a little bit. Spend some time thinking about what it means to you, especially in terms of your goals. If you journal, or if you'd like to start, this is a good prompt to get you thinking. So that's been our discussion of power differentials on Level the Pursuit. 
In almost every interaction, there's the potential for mismatch, but you can use these skills to avoid the worst pitfalls. Thanks for joining, and I look forward to your comments. If you like the lesson on learning to avoid power struggles, please give it a like or subscribe, or maybe share it with somebody. If you didn't, comment with what I could do better. Next time we'll cover service to the community. When you don't have much and are struggling to make ends meet, it can be really hard to think outside your own needs. But the fact is, there's almost always someone who could use your help. We'll discuss why this is important, the impact it can have in your community, and why it will actually help you in the long run. Don't forget to do the journal about what power is to you and where you want to be. Then head over to www.leveltheperceit.com to share your insights and your successes. I can't wait to learn from your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great. 